This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 294, How Families and Financial Advisors Sabotage Generational Wealth. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, what is even better than a five-star review on this podcast? Well, it's actually sharing it with a friend. More people find podcasts because friends recommend it than any other way. So hit that share button in your podcast app and send this episode to a friend right now. Let us know you did, and we'll send you a copy of our favorite book free of charge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. I've got a lot of ground to cover with you, and we're going to jump into a mini-series on families, generational wealth, and how to deal with the death benefits that life insurance leaves behind the legacy of that final gift of love from one generation to the next. Now, if you've caught wind of our approach on our podcast, Not Your Average Financial Podcast, and at our firm, Lake Growth Financial Services, you know we're not just about getting rich quick. We're not getting rich quick at all. We'd rather be get rich for sure. Rather, we want to look and think at least four generations into the future. In fact, Gloria Steinem has a great quote. She says, the rich plan for four generations while the poor plan for Saturday night. So what are some of the issues with typical retirement planning? Not just how it messes with our own financial future, but that of our future kids, grandkids, and beyond. As we think long range, well, let's get into a few of them. Number one, our focus with OSO average financial planning is to invest now and invest as much as we can. We're told to aggressively invest in our young years. Why? Because we have time to make it up if we lose money due to market fluctuations. This is such a problematic myth on a number of levels. Now, first, it's true that you might have time to make it up but you won't ever have the money to make up ever again. If you lose a dollar, it's gone forever. Sure, you can climb your way back out of the hole to get to the point where you were, but now you're older. You can never get back to where you were and where you might have been had you not lost the money in the first place. And the younger you are, the more painful it is to lose even a few pennies in the market because that loss is amplified over your lifetime since compound growth is more severe the younger you are. In other words, if you're 21 years old and you lose a a dollar, that might be $12 by the time you're 60. Whereas if you're 50 and you lose a dollar, you might only make it up to $2 or three. So it's a lot bigger deal to lose money in the markets when you're younger. And as we get closer to retirement, we're told told by the oh-so-average financial planning firms to be more conservative, to avoid these losses as we enter into our retirement years. Now, what if that had been there all along? What if that had been our advice all along and we had still had productive growth all along the way? Number two, we focus on net worth instead of human capital and cash flow. What is human capital, you're asking? Well, take a look in the mirror. That is you. You are your greatest investment, your skills, knowledge, and experience that you've accumulated over the years. And even beyond yourself, your entire family, 
is the human capital of your family. We like to think like a family at our firm. Rather than just autonomized individuals, when we begin to think like a family, we begin to see just what a powerful asset the family can truly be. In fact, if you'd like to hear all about how we see the family as the greatest asset on your net worth sheet, go listen to episodes 104 and 105. That's 104 and 105. Your family is your greatest asset. So when we begin to see our family as an asset to the entire family, and really it's an asset for the entire world if you think about it, what could you do to help maximize the growth and flourishing of your family? How could you take an individual's net worth and move it into the broader picture of financial success for everyone in the family? And how could you take a big pile of money and generate cash flow from it that lasts for generations? Remember, you cannot eat a net worth statement. At least I wouldn't advise it, at least not without a lot of hot sauce. But by building up your human capital and your family capital, it will do so much more to help you build true long-term wealth. Number three, we focus on retirement rather than generational wealth. When we use words like retirement, it just sounds like we're being put out of service. In fact, that's kind of what the phrase means, to be taken out of service. I don't want that for myself. And it sabotages generational wealth. When you get into your golden years, you're literally gold for your family. So how can we use the best asset in the family, your human capital, as the leader, the elder of the family, to transform the family into something so much better? Most people have in their mind that they will just simply stop working and collect checks from their 401k from their beachside resort. But retiring at some arbitrary age just makes no sense to me at all. First of all, most people cannot save enough during their working years to last as long as their aging body will require. Most people stop working and they end up scrimping and saving and cutting expenses and then just going back to work part-time at Walmart and then worrying about it for the next 25 or even 30 plus years. Ultimately, they realize they failed in their financial plan too late. Because once you're 85, very few people would like to hire you. I hate to say it, but that's truth. That's just truth. Hashtag truth. And this also has the devastating impact of not being able to leave much or anything to your children so they have to still suffer along like we did. So I encourage you to find work that you love and continue to work it for as long as you live without ever feeling like you have to retire or be put out of service. Instead of retirement, let's think in terms of rewirement. Let's do consulting. Let's freelance. Let's start a business. Let's lead our family in our family office that we might be developing. And ultimately, let's leave a legacy that's worth far more than a couple of Mai Tais on a beach or a membership to a nice country club. Number four, issue I see with traditional financial planning is that we see insurance as temporary and we end up losing it right around the time we need it to pass on to our family. Life insurance is the bedrock of generational wealth, and it has been for centuries. And yet, don't we all know somebody in our lives who's died without a policy, without a life insurance policy that would have provided so much for their family, their surviving family? Most people, most Americans, buy term insurance. And it's the advice of the oh-so-average financial advisor to buy term and invest the rest, they say. So folks buy life insurance for 30 years and then try their best at the stock market. And now, fast forward 30 years, with the benefit of hindsight, 
31 years later, what do they have to show for it? Again, the average balance of a 401k is $160,000. And once your term insurance runs out, the death benefit is $0. No matter how you calculate it, that is a terrible investment. To pay even an affordable $25 a month for term insurance premium for 30 years to get nothing in return is a terrible investment. As Investopedia points out in their article, What's the Best Age to Get Life Insurance?, they say the optimal age for purchasing life insurance is right after birth, end quote. Right after birth. I love it. Somebody get that newborn a pin and show them where to sign. Now, whole life insurance, by contrast to term insurance, will cover somebody for their entire lifetime and guarantees, guarantees that your next generation in your family will be wealthier as a result of the person making premium payments. In fact, if you think about it, Life insurance is the only type of insurance that guarantees a payout. It covers a promised outcome. I mean, all of us are eventually going to graduate from Earth. And all your other insurance is essentially covering a maybe, hopefully not, potential loss. Think about it. Health insurance, what are we covering? Hopefully we never get sick. Automobile insurance, hopefully we never get in an accident, and so on and so on. We all hope that we never have to use our fire insurance policy on our home. But if there was a 100% chance that your house would someday burn down, you would buy that kind of fire insurance policy because you would know there would eventually be a fire in your house. And if you knew your house was going to burn down, would you buy a temporary fire insurance policy that might expire, like a warranty product warranty, right before you needed it? I wouldn't. I'd make sure that that policy was in force when I needed it. Number five, government and taxes. Again, we're looking at ways typical financial advice and families are destroying their generational wealth. So number five is government and taxes. How does the government get in the way of generational wealth? Well, when you put your money into government-sponsored retirement accounts like 401ks and IRAs, you'll end up paying far more in income tax than the contributions you made to your 401k or IRA. Let me say that again so you can hear it clearly. Based on my calculations, over your retirement years, you will pay far more in income tax on your 401k than you ever contributed to that 401k. So when it comes to generational wealth and your 401k, who is really winning? You or the government? Beyond that, there are tons of restrictions on your 401k that keep you from being able to benefit yourself or your family to help build real lasting wealth. You cannot use your 401k or your IRA to invest in a family business, for example. If you want to pass your 401k or your traditional IRA onto your family, you can't. And if you live too long, you'll begin to be forced to take money out called a required minimum distribution, devastatingly liquidating and spending down your IRA or 401k before you can leave it to your family, whether you want to do that or not. And now with the recent SECURE Act legislation that was passed a few years ago, adult children or grandchildren who inherit a sizable IRA or 401k are now forced to take that money out over a quicker timeline, pushing them into higher and higher tax brackets, which promises the government even more of your 401k and IRA savings. No more stretch IRA since the SECURE Act was passed. So the only thing they are stretching now is our means to pass our wealth on to our families. It's like a reminder that the government gives and the government takes away. The government can and has changed the rules of retirement plans multiple times, and we can expect that to continue for the generation to come. Keep this in mind. 
IRAs, 401ks, and other qualified retirement accounts are growth vehicles, but they are not asset transfer vehicles. There's a distinction there. They are not designed for the purpose of family wealth. So it's no surprise that they don't do family wealth efficiently. Now, life insurance, on the other hand, is a transfer wealth vehicle, and it does so with exquisite efficiency because that's what it was designed to do from the get-go. Number six, typical financial planning is designed to prepare you and your next generation for failure. I know I've got some bold opinions here, but hang with me. Come back to me. If this is multitasking time, come on back. You got to hear this one. Generally speaking, financial advice, oh so average financial advice, focuses on building up a big old pile of money so you can personally someday retire, live on that pile of money, and then maybe leave a little bit left over for your kids. Typical estate planning focuses on how to reduce estate taxes when you're transferring that pile of money or real estate or whatever to the next generation. Both of these are fine to do, worthy aims but they fail miserably when it comes to creating a true system of family generational wealth. For example, neither typical financial planning nor estate planning really prioritizes the relationship between the giver and the receiver of an inheritance or preparing the beneficiary, which can have devastating consequences to generational wealth. Now, most people say they just want to simply die with zero let their kids sort it out after we're all dead. Now, imagine if American presidents said the same thing. Hey guys, when I leave office, you guys sort it out. What if there was no transfer of power, no handshake on the platform when the new president takes the stage? It would be a disaster. It would be difficult for the country to move on. So no matter if you're leaving your family a massive inheritance or just a paltry sum, along with the money you've prepared to leave behind, we need to prepare the people you hope to give your money to. If we don't pay attention to building up the next generation to be the kind of people worthy of and ready to receive your gift that you hope to leave them, your financial money, your capital will be constantly leaking out of your family as the generations progress, along with your vision and mission that drove you to be successful and to build up all that money in the first place. So, there's a common phrase for this. Many cultures use it. For example, the phrase shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. It's fairly common for families to fight and fracture after the death of the matriarch patriarch that built up all the wealth. The grandparents failed to transfer something crucial in addition to that money that they built up. They failed to transfer or really to build up and nurture the emotional, intellectual, and even human or social capital of the family. That's the greatest asset. And it's merely passing on financial capital. You're not going to see it pass on more than three generations, according to that old proverb of shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves and three generations. When that happens, even the financial capital will eventually disappear if you don't have the other capital, the family capital. So in summary, the typical financial planning, the oh-so-average financial planning fails because the majority of families and financial firms build upon short-term thinking. When you fail to save today, when you take all your tax breaks today, when you buy term insurance that expires before you do, when you fail to teach and train the next generation and then have them figure it out after you're dead, you're sabotaging your long-term generational wealth. 
So how do we avoid this? How do we avoid sabotaging and building long-term generational wealth? How exactly does a family do that? Well, in her book, Perpetual Wealth, Kim Butler describes four key elements which lead to long-term thinking. And I thought it was a great book. And by the way, if you'd like a copy of that book, reach out to me and let's start a conversation. We'll get into things and see if it's the right kind of book for you or if there's another book you'd be better off with at this point in your financial journey. If you'd like the book, hop on my calendar, go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com, click on request a meeting, and mention in the agenda that you'd like to talk about generational wealth and perpetual wealth, and I'll know what you're talking about. We'll make sure to bring that topic up in our 15-minute conversation. It's just 15 minutes that could change generations of your family tree. Go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting. Okay, let's get back to the content. There were four key elements that Kim Butler describes. Long-term thinking is the result. What are the four key elements that lead to long-term thinking and generational wealth? Here they are. Number one, financial foundations. Two, family lending. Three, leadership. And finally, legacy. Let's jump into each of these for a few moments as we wrap up. Number one, financial foundations. Instead of speculating or investing, the foundation of your financial wealth is saving. Not speculating, but saving. You may wish to leave your family a fortune, but if you can't save, it won't do you a lick of good. Saving is in contrast with investing or speculation. Investing is the money we can afford to lose. Saving is the money we cannot afford to lose. So there has to be a solid foundation underneath your house before you build anything on top. And by saving, you create a family fund. It's like seed money for your family's wealth and prosperity. It's money you can use for emergencies and opportunities, and it helps you sleep at night. Even if your financial storms are beating against the walls of your house, you have a solid foundation to keep you safe. This is why we put dividend-paying whole life insurance, which is a centuries-old financial strategy and tool, at the cornerstone of generational wealth for our clients' families. It allows the family to save money, mitigate against risk, and provide permanent protection and a legacy that is chock-full with tax advantages. It's why we talk about bank on yourself on this podcast. It's why we see it as a central foundation point for your family's generational wealth machine that you're creating. As you pay premiums, this can be conceived of as a saving strategy. It begins to build assets within the family name. Both your cash value is an asset and the death benefit. Both are an ideal foundation for your family's personal wealth. In fact, the more premiums you pay, the more wealth and protection your family has. Number two cornerstone, family lending. In many ways, these four components of generational wealth build on each other. Much like a gymnast may swing from one ring to the next to keep up that momentum, there's a certain momentum that begins to build. Your small amount of money you're paying into that whole life policy might not look like a lot. Maybe it's 200 bucks a month, 300 bucks a month. It may not seem like much right away. But once we've built up a significant savings in our financial foundation, and our dividend-paying whole life insurance policies designed the bank-on-yourself way, we've created for ourselves now, we wake up one day and we find that we've created a family fund by which we can invest in the success of the family. Guys, you can think of all the creative ways you might use this policy. This could include investing in your family's human capital through things like education, training, 
start up a business funds, all sorts of ideas here. He could also help pay off the family's debts. Wouldn't it be amazing if grandpa and grandma were able to buy up all the car loans and student loans of their adult children and even grandchildren? Then the wealth never leaves the family ever again. But in addition to human capital within the family, family lending could be seen as a way to invest in financial assets, such as cash-flowing real estate, or maybe providing down payments for the grandkids' first home. Beyond the practical, strategic ways a family lending system could benefit the whole family, there's also a lot of less obvious benefits, though. For example, it gives younger family members the opportunity to learn and practice money management. Within the confines of a loving family, there's some great opportunities for the younger kids and even young adults. Does a grandchild maybe want to apply for a family loan? Maybe she's wanting to start a small business? Great. Then they'll just need to show that she's prudent with the money. She's saving first. She'll need to show why she wants the money and how it aligns with the entire family values that they want to uphold. And when, not if, but when loans fail, and they will within a family, that's going to happen. When they fail, what is the pathway? to get back on right standing for a family member who couldn't pay back a loan. What's the process? What's the procedure for doing that so we don't ruin Thanksgiving dinner? How can family members provide leadership to help decide when a loan gets approved or, crucially, when that does not get approved? So that's the second cornerstone. Third element here is leadership. One of my favorite parts of family generational wealth creation is the third cornerstone, which is leadership. This concept of generational wealth is about more and just piling up a bunch of financial assets. It's about developing real leaders who can shape the world for generations to come. Guys, this means we need more modes of connecting as a family, more than just getting together two or three times a year to eat some pumpkin pie and open up some presents or such. We need a lot more than that. Family is so much more than that. It can be about families on a mission, family retreats, training time, business meetings, other opportunities for younger family members to mentor even younger and to grow in their own skills and confidence. While your family may not need all this fussiness of you know, dynamic governance and complex organizational charts, beginning to nurture family relationships will allow younger members to learn from elders. And that, guys, is truly priceless when you begin to see that happen within a family. It also reminds us that generational wealth is not just about building up some massive empire of real estate or money, but it's about growing children into world leaders. That's the key here. The cornerstone of leadership helps families create common goals, responsibilities among family members, even down to the youngest children. This chance to become responsible, to have a process for discipline and recovering from loss, dealing with conflict, celebrating wins together. This is all a part of what makes a true family, not just a bunch of relatives. Fourth cornerstone, legacy. We will end up with a significant legacy when we follow this generational wealth pattern. Most financial planners start with legacy and they think about estate planning a little bit here and there when they talk to their clients. Hey, whatever we don't spend out of that 401k, we'll leave to the kids. Great, we're done, check mark. But very few families, very, very few financial planners have a real system for creating an inheritance with any amount of certainty for a family or get the family ready to receive it. Again, we don't want to just prepare a bunch of money for people. We want to prepare the people for the money. When you don't follow typical financial planning or estate planning methods, but rather use 
you know, counterintuitive, not your average financial strategies like life insurance and other strategies we help our clients with. It helps ensure that each generation saves for the next and the next and the next. True wealth extends far beyond just some trust fund or a death benefit. Embedded within your legacy is also the traditions, the values, the emotions, the stories that you leave behind. When you take a broader view of that word, legacy, you begin to think about what generations from now will look back on during your lifetime. What were you able to change for them as a result of you being you here today? So these are the four cornerstones of what makes a successful family build not just a pile of money for one person to spend in his or her retirement, but a lifetime, a family lifetime, multiple generations to think four generations into the future, as Gloria Steinem says, rather than just planning for Saturday night, as it were. And I can see the world of difference between folks that are doing one versus the other. I hope, I hope that you've taken something from this episode that you can implement with your family. Maybe it's simply sharing this episode with a family member. Who in your family do you know who needs to know about what we've talked about here today? You can hit the share button on your podcast and simply send it to them today. Do it now while it's fresh on your mind before this podcast ends and you've moved on to the next topic, uh, whatever show you're going to listen to next. This is your moment that could change your family tree if you take action. So I hope this has been a helpful, valuable episode. We're going to have more in the shoot. Get ready. We're going to cover some pretty powerful content in the weeks to come. And for now, I'll make you wait just one more week for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.